It's time to rejoice. Wait. It's time to rejoice. <laughs> good job, buddy. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Danny. Uh, welcome to the Rechoice Podcast. This is a place to listen again, choose wisely, and live joyfully. My name is Joe Pellerito, and this is a recap episode for the month of January. Here at the Rechoice Pod, you get to hear from a lot of different people who have something in common, and that is a reflective and resilient mindset. There are three basic steps to Rechoice name the experience, choose a Rechoice word beginning with the letters R E. And then explain how that Rechoice word colors your event. You can read more at RechoicePod.com, but now it's time for the show. So you may have noticed that Thursdays are when a Rechoice Pod episode is launched. And on the final thoughtful Thursday of the month, you're going to hear a recap episode where I share your thoughts from feedback and comments um, I pull these from interactions with the rechoicepod.com website or from fa- our Facebook and Twitter group sites. So I'll also give you an update from the guests as they were likely re-interviewed several weeks ago. So here we go. Episode two, our first interview, featured Malik Baker and his word was rest. I checked in with Malik this week and... Um, while he has started teaching a new semester of high schoolers, there's nothing much new to report. He did text the following message, though, to me. Uh, it was right after the Kobe Bryant tragedy, and I think it applies to his interview as well. And that text was, make sure you say all you need to say to all you need to. So um, that's a good homework assignment for us all. Beyond that, episode three already really dug into the topic of rest. Um, I do want to share, though, one more short story from a parent named Allison from Overland Park, Kansas. This comes from a website called WeStartNow.org, if you want to look it up. Um, I've seen many students like her daughter, and Allison writes the following story. My daughter's 16, and like all teens, deals with social drama and ups and downs. I want her to have a cell phone for safety, but last year, I began to realize that she was using it for much more than that. She was staying up late at night, texting and on social media, and the beautiful daughter I know and love was, quite frankly, becoming awful to live with. After investigating her hours of late-night phone use, which for a technology-challenged mom like myself was no easy task, my husband and I decided it was time for us to start putting her device in our room at bedtime. I honestly had no idea how much this decision would impact her. After she blew up in anger, she began sobbing and puddled on the floor. As I held her, I just listened, listened to all the worries and fears of fitting in and keeping up. But there was something even more alarming keeping her up at night. My daughter had been counseling another teen late at night who was suicidal. Her huge heart had been on high alert. She had to stay up and be available at all times in case her friend needed her. We were able to talk, really talk. Well, she talked and I held my breath hoping that it wouldn't stop. She shared all her social circle drama, the comments on social media she had to keep up with, the sleepovers and parties she saw that she knew she wasn't invited to, and most importantly, how she was single-handedly owning responsibility for her friend's life. 
My teen was relieved when we talked about how to break the silence and get her friend help, real help, and that it wasn't my daughter's responsibility to carry that burden, especially not alone. Together we came up with a plan to involve adults to involve adults who can support her friend and break the silence over suicidal thoughts. After the dust settled and we stuck to our new no phone, up, no phone at bedtime rule, I was amazed at the changes we saw. I could tell that my girl was so relieved, much like setting limits with a curfew. She needed that structure from us to take the pressure off. Also, while I initially, while initially it was an adjustment for all of us at bedtime to take the phone, not going to lie, some days were harder than others, depending on what was going on socially. After a while, it became routine. She began to use our limits to protect herself too, telling peers that her mom and dad were taking the phone. We gave her permission to blame us for any lameness. She got sleep. She was less irritable, and I saw my beautiful girl come back. Navigating this technology thing is not fun for parents or for teens, but I will fight for our daughter's health, and I'm happy to report that this battle was worth it. This really hits home for me, uh, listeners, because I want to teach my son to help his brain rest. And you know what? Um, that that fight is worth not just my son's health, but my health as well. I'm also wishing more rest than for you. Anna Beth Garrison, thanks for sharing that article. We're going to go now to the other, another episode. Um, I'll skip right to the last episode that we had which was our final interview, we heard from Terry Gates with the word repurpose. Man, Terry taught us so many lessons. And here's one lesson I learned. I need to make a correction. I said in the episode that Terry is an Olympic athlete. And I'm sure Terry was flattered, but he was sure to tell me after listening later that while he has competed as part of Team USA in Sweden and Spain, where he took fifth in his age group, by the way, they're not considered official Olympic events, but it is close. Um, so now it's, it's, uh, now time for your comments. Um, if you remember, Terry started to compete at age 57 in, uh, tri triathlons, um, after his son challenged him to get in shape. And then now it's been eight years. They've done four full Ironman races together. Terry has done two world championships. He has two more coming up in Amsterdam and New Zealand. One question I had was what exactly or how, what is an Ironman and, and how long is it? So Ironman is a brand that's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike and a 26.2 marathon running miles of running all in one race. So it takes several hours. So let's get to your comments. Um, I had asked what motivates you? when it comes to exercise or, or any health changes, health and wellness changes that we need to make. Robin Pelton of Brazosport, Texas, uh, she responded on the ReChoice group page. And what she said was that an accountability partner is what motivates her. Focusing on health and fitness together made it a lot more motivating. The weight loss was great, but seeing the improvement in my blood work was the most affirming result. I can speak to that too. Wow. You know, um, yes, I can do some changes on my own, but, you know, once my brothers started running with me and in the last six months, I've been a part of uh, two different fitness challenges as a small group. It just, it just, uh, you know, being able to report in every week how things are going. 
Uh, great, great point there, Robin. I also asked on social media for people to fill in the blank. I race for what? So check these out. Krista Marie Kruger says that she races for my future. And so true, right? In fact, Barbara puts it, uh, Barbara, uh, Brown says that she races for a good retirement. Reed Bretz. Reed Bretz says he races for better health. Great job, Reed. In fact, I saw this morning that you were on the treadmill. Uh, nice job, buddy. And Reed goes to Planet Fitness. It's a judgment-free zone, y'all. I love Planet Fitness. So thank you, Reed. Cassie. Cassie Ostendi says that she races for a lot of things. Cancer research, mental health, hunger, homelessness, etc. But when come when it comes down to it, I race for me because I can't help others if I don't take care of me. Great point, Cassie. Trina. Oh, Trina. Trina and I used to work at Western Michigan University together. She says she races for fun, for awesome medals, and good peer pressure. You know what? I am not discounting the fact that those medals are motivating, aren't they? I love the medals. I've kept every one of them. Every time I look at a medal, I remember the exact race and how I was feeling. Um, so thank you, Trina. Dan Rayborn, he says that he trains for better health, but he races for personal satisfaction. And it feels good, that sense of accomplishment. I asked him a little bit more what he meant. And Dan, he has done the L Tour de Tucson three times. So he bikes. That's a 106-mile race. Um, and he just says it's, uh, for, to see almost every intersection closed for 106 miles with locals in some spots, three deep cheering and ringing cowbells that it's very motivating. Um, so Dan and I have decided we're going to have some coffee cause I, I, he's a, Dan's a neighbor of mine, but we don't really talk a whole lot. And we just realized we have a lot of biking in common. So I want to hear more about the, um, the Grand Rapids race in June uh, the one that starts downtown and goes to the lakeshore and back for 80 miles, because that's definitely on my, on my radar. So thank you, Dan, for sharing. Uh, looking forward to our coffee. John Bauck says that he races for health, fitness, and that healthy high feeling after finishing a race. And John, you uh, said that you're going to be running the virtual Bob Ross run um, to plant more trees. I looked that up. So, hey, uh, what a virtual run is, guys, is that you can actually run this race anywhere. Uh, it's just done within a certain span. The John, the, or the Bob Ross run is in April. So, John, I'm going to do that with you, my friend. Looking forward to it. Happy little trees. All right. Carrie Davies, she says she races for the training. Um, she says, let me explain. Having a race on the calendar gives me a goal to reach for and a training plan to follow. With that, I train for my own physical and mental health. I have found running to have a huge impact on both this last year, and I also train because I know my kids are watching. Great reminder that sometimes just signing up way ahead of schedule um, gives gives us the motivation. And for me, I have to have a, a checklist, uh, a calendar that shows me what I'm running um, and when. Uh, and I mean just even on the, the training schedule is very motivating. Becky Lair Ibanez, uh, she simply says that she runs to prove to herself that she can. And I, Becky, I'm so happy for you. Um, you said more to me too that um, it's just been a real transformative year for you, and I'm super happy, super happy for you. Um, we 
we underestimate what our bodies can do. I know that you're proving that, Becky, and, and for me too, I, I never really knew what I could do until I started doing it. So push your boundaries, everybody. Uh, back to Terry Gates. Terry says that he races to inspire others as he, as he gets older. He's 65 today and he wants everybody to realize that you can get stronger, faster, healthier, and maintain being physically fit. Um, so I, I love what you've done, Terry, and, and thank you for inspiring us. Um, in fact, my son and I had fun figuring out what the 140.6 sticker on the back of your vehicle, what that stood for, uh, last week. Um, for those of you who don't know, that's the mileage from a triathlon. Carrie Stewart, she says, I'm not sure why I race. I guess for fun, but I train for clarity. It's like a free therapy session. Whether I'm with good friends or by myself, it's easy to sort out life with a high heart rate. Yeah, free therapy session. I love that. Um, I have found that when I'm worked up about something, uh, when I just get outside, I forget what I was worked up about and I feel more clear-headed about what ne next steps I have to take. Catherine uh, Van Overen says that she races for community and motivation. And Catherine, whether you realize it or not, you have motivated me a lot. Um, I've seen you train several times um, around the neighborhoods, actually, in Kentwood, um, but also just following the races that you do. You've motivated me without you knowing it. Um, one of the races that she and I did, uh, you know, on separate teams, but we ran into each other was what's called the five. I think it's called one in five marathon, uh, for mental health. This is done at Millennium Park near Grand Rapids and it's pretty cool. You get a team of five to collectively do a marathon's worth of running and they, they, they launch you in stages. So it doesn't take a few hours. It, um, every, I don't know, I think it's 10, 15 minutes, they, they release the next wave, and each of us is responsible for a 5K, but then the last runner does the final 6.2. And it's just the camaraderie there. Um, that, that stands too, by the way, the one in five marathon run is uh, the fact that one in five of us uh, struggle with mental health, and that so there's a real awareness there. Um, so, Catherine, it was great to do that one with you. Cheryl Redner. She runs to donate money, but Sydney and Tina both know that she runs for the medal and for the shirt. So uh, she just actually completed this week the Perrin Frostbite 5K. That's a tough one. It's cold, but also the the hills. There's a lot of hills on that one. So way to go, Cheryl. And I know you've done a ton of races in the last year and a half. Uh, Kenny. <laughs> okay, Kenny. Kenny Henson. Uh, Kenny's from uh, Tennessee. And he says he runs for tacos. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kenny. <laughs> so thanks, Kenny. And then Mark, my twin brother, says that he races just for the health of it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Good job, Mark. And uh, I'm looking forward to our next run, though I don't know what that is yet. I'm hoping it's the Buffalo Buffalo Half Marathon that we could do together in May. So I am. That's that is what I'm training for, whether we do it or not. Um for sure, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to running our next event together. Stevie Quina says that she simply runs for stress relief. Uh, she actually did, did recently the Hot Cider Hustle at Millennium Park. And finally, Sue Del Rosso says she runs to her bed for sleep. 
And I know she was joking about that. She doesn't run, she says. But I have found when I am running, I sleep a lot better. That's for sure. All this to say, when we find a why to run, we will find a way to run. I just want to remind you that one of the episodes was with uh, Danielle Cosby. Singer Danielle Cosby shared portions of her new album, Detour. And we originally recorded that way back in December. So I asked for an update and she said she's made it through the hustle and bustle of the holiday season. She even got to sing at, at, in Traverse City for New Year's Eve. She just performed songs uh, this week from her album in Kalamazoo at a place at a venue called The Union. So if you're ever around Western Michigan University, I'm telling you, The Union is a great venue. Very cool. She's now looking forward to slowing down before the wedding season kicks things right back up again. So she is using this time to rest her voice and do some traveling. Really would love everyone who's listening to this to go find her album wherever you stream music by searching for Danielle Detour. There's several songs and it's, it's just one of those albums where you can see the progression of the story with every song. That brings us then back to the title of this podcast, Rechoice. What do you choose again that brings you joy? Is it time to pivot? It all starts with the decision to choose something different. Right now, you are in a position to transition to your 2020 vision. Oh! So, to close out this recap episode, please enjoy Danielle Cosby's song, This Position. May it inspire you to reframe your past, renew your present, and reclaim your future, because after all, it is always a choice. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. I never meant to hurt you this way. I'm sorry that I did it anyway Of all the things I wish I would have said mm, I wish I would have told you this instead I wish I could explain this thing that I'm going through I know it isn't fair to place the blame on you I know that I was scared and you were too Ah, ah. What scares me most of all is losing you Come on, you can throw a 
But my